You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 99. Episode 99. We've been... uh. Uh, now I know I have not gotten, oh wait, we, we ended with a question last week, right? Right. This is what I was going to tell you this week. I'm coming in pretty excited because last week we asked some listener or any listener if they, um, wanted to text us where they're playing or just any sort of kind of interaction on Instagram because lately the last few months we've kind of had a pretty big uptick in listeners and just for fun, I mean, before I, we've done this and gotten nothing and, um, Last week, we asked any listeners just to text us where they're playing from and just to kind of see what we would get. And we actually got a lot of positive feedback and people replying. So that was pretty exciting. So what places were we? Uh, were they playing at? I mean, some people were playing in Tennessee. Some people were playing in, where else, uh, Dallas, San Antonio. Ooh, I might need to get in contact with the ones in, uh, like, I know Dallas and San Antonio have, like, the main poker rooms. Uh, one of my goals this year, I'm a big fan of country music, is to go to Nashville and Tennessee. And I don't think poker is a big thing in Tennessee. I might need to get with somebody and uh, find find out where they're playing at that point. Absolutely. But I was just pretty excited to come in with that after, you know, I think we did it like episode 20 when we had like me and you were the only two listeners. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool to see some, po- to get some positive feedback. So everyone had positive things to say and it was cool to get some interaction with them some of the listeners yeah that was that's really cool especially like i say i like seeing where people are playing at well one we can kind of gear the podcast maybe a little bit towards like with a bunch in texas and stuff like that and then just knowing at some point i mean i'm always looking to go try new rooms so not sure it's gonna be very soon but it's always cool to see where they are at yeah so but i guess uh, in poker though i actually played a relatively interesting session. I mean, well, it was pretty interesting. So, you know how lately we've been talking about, um, or not we, you've been talking about um, down betting, you know, just always down betting your entire range most of the time. And, um, right, I mean, that's basically what you've been talking about, right? Uh, on Specifically on the flop, yes. I've been, I've basically been, Using like a third, like almost very close to always like a third size pot bet. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to, so when you first brought this up, I did not like it at all. Like the, just the always betting that little amount. Right. I just, right. I just did not, I just felt like it was too exploitative that people would take advantage and I just did not like it. Okay. This session I did it. Oh my God! I'm like Clint might have solved poker here. I mean, I mean, it works. I mean, it works so well. I was like, I mean, this is all I should be doing right here in these one three games. I mean, I never got three bet one time, and just printed money over and over again. It was the most uneventful, interesting hands. But I mean, you just print money over and over again because no one wants when I make it fifteen, and then on the flop I bet fifteen again with top pair. Everyone calls. Then I bet like 50 on the turn, everyone calls. And then on the river, I bet, a li- I mean, sometimes I bet a little, sometimes I bet a lot. But then I'm winning these giant pots. 
Oh yeah, uh, I kind of was the same way when uh, when I started this. Cause, well, because they, oh god, I'm all over the place. Uh, <laughs> so I was looking at CBET strategies for a while, and I was researching them pretty in depth, and I wasn't finding a lot of stuff that I really loved. Uh, then I found the one third pot. Like, if you're heads up, it's not that, I mean, it's just never that bad of a bet. Because if people miss and they fold, you only need 20% of the time to, take a, to make a profit in the long run. So, and then, if they, and then if they start, like, realizing what you're doing and they're calling, well, I mean, now you're kind of inflating the pot a little bit when they have very weak holdings and you have, like, an actually good hand. Well, what I noticed was I was playing with a lot of rec players, and they would all call to see the turn, and then I'd bet small on the turn again, and they'd all fold. And I'd win these sizable pots for a one-three game. See, I'm I'm actually betting pretty big on the turn. Like that's my other strategy is I'll actually bet two-thirds pot normally on the turn. Uh, but I mean, if if you're betting a small and they're folding, probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, that I mean that was just last session though. I thought that was very interesting. Um, as far as I mean, the only thing whenever you play hands like this is you, a lot of the hands kind of play themselves, kind of aren't that interesting, right? Um, but I did have some interesting hands for you, because I mean that was really just the moral of the story on that one was just over and over again just taking these pots down with that strategy. Oh, yeah, it was really... And I kind of combined it from Crush Live Poker and Red Chip. So, Crush Live Poker was the first one I heard where if your head's up in a three-bet pot, where that one-third bet sizing is just never that bad of a bet. And then Red Chip, I kind of read on it just as a C-bet in general. It's never that bad. And then Crush Live also, they were saying even in multi-way pots that you should be spending smaller when your equity is less and also for protection. Because I always thought you bet big for protection. They're like, well, apparently, like, if you bet smaller, I mean, you have such a huge equity advantage at that point for protection, and you can get lesser hands to call you. So uh, that's I kind of combined a little of this. Both, both sides had the same strategy. It just kind of combined both of them. Well, Jonathan Little had that, too, where... Um... You would bet small, like sometimes less than his strategy. Sometimes was that you would bet less than you bet on the flop or pre-flop on the flop. Yeah, and I remember that when... one. I don't know about. I don't know if I like that one as much. I kind of like same bet. I usually go by the pot, depending on like if it's a third pot. If it sometimes it is smaller than I bet. Let's say, okay, let's say I make it fifteen pre-flop for a one-three game, and it's heads up. Well, then the the pot is 30 if the big blind calls. I will bet 10 in that scenario, but usually you're right. It's usually the same or a little bit more, but it's every now and then it actually will go to that. Well, so I made the extra drive to 101 Katie because they have only Hold'em, and there's no PLO, no bomb pots. Okay. And I, I know you like the breaking it up with the PLO. I love the only hold'em, so I made the extra drive to go down there and get their amazing food. I definitely can understand that. Well, I definitely can understand it for the food uh, and definitely understand it. Like, if you want to play just hold'em, it's definitely worth that drive. Yeah. Um, 
So I buy in, and before I even get to chips, my first hand I get pocket kings. Nice. I make it 30, and I get two callers. The flop comes 5-4, sorry, 5-5-4 rainbow. I bet 30 again, I get one caller. The turn is a jack. I bet 50 he folds. And that was kind of the, I mean, I would say that's pretty standard way to play it, right? Well, I think you. I think this is one of those on that down bet of thirty. You probably got extra because I think if you bet sixty, that person might fold on the flop. So you might got, might have got an extra thirty there, right? That's kind of what I was thinking. I was going to say that this hand kind of um, really shows what we were talking about earlier. How I was kind of implemented that strategy right from the beginning. Yeah, kind that's of kind of what the, I was thinking when you were going through the hand. Right, kind of set the tone. That was kind of my thought with that hand. That's why, like you said, it would seemed uneventful. But I texted you that one just to. Um, Keep it in the notes kind of thing. Okay, yeah, I got you. Okay, so now now I got to kind of paint this picture from this next hand to make sense. Okay. So we're playing, and some PLO players come over, and one, one of the guys is pretty new, I think. His friend's a PLO player, and his friend's not really playing. But they're going crazy. He seems like he's drunk or been having a good time, right? Has quite a bit of money, like $500, $600, something like that. Okay has this crazy all-in bluff with a four-liner flush out there and shows over um, pocket deuces with no club. Oh, wow. Just went all-in kind of thing. Okay. Um, had made a few other bluffs before and had called all-in with just, like, random one-pair hands. Right. You know, but these all-ins are, you know, $600, $700 all-ins. Um, so this hand... I'm about to leave. I said I was leaving at 2 a.m. It's like 2.10. Okay. And I was like, well, I really want to play some hands with this guy before um, I go. Okay. Because literally if I hit anything at all, I can get all the money. Is what I was kind of thinking. So I'm in the big blind. And I have queen four off. Um, This guy opens it up to 25 over like. Maybe like one or two limpers. I guess he didn't open it up. He raised. Okay. Um, if so, I couldn't have been the big blind. I must have been early. I don't know where I was. It folded to me. Um, I call. Um, <laughs> loose call here. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna wait till after the hand. I mean, obviously, this is not a call I'm loving here. But okay, go for it. <laughs> but I'm painting the picture for you at least. Okay. Um, I call 25 preflop. The flop comes ace of diamonds, queen of diamonds, eight of hearts. I check. He bets 20. I call. The turn is the four of hearts. So now it's diamond, diamond, heart, heart, but I flop two pair. Sorry, turn two pair. Okay. I donk 100 into him. Okay. And then he just snap shoves all in. I mean, uh, if you're, uh, yeah, okay. So this is obviously, if you're looking to play with this guy who's just constantly going crazy, I think this is a kind of a snap call, right? Oh, yeah. I snap call. He just had an ace, and I stack him for my basically last hand of the night to have a pretty big double up. I mean, I think the results argue your point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is just going to be something. uh Okay, let me say what I 
I don't mind going out of your range to play hands with a guy like this. Uh, I do think you should be opening up. I don't think queen four is... Like, I, I think you, like, maybe, like, four, six suited or something like that. Oh, 100%. You know what was funny was everyone at the table said after that hand, they're like, oh, man, you deserve it. You've been playing so tight this whole for so many hours and I've been playing any hands. And I was like, it seems weird that queen four was the one that I went all in with. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, because, like I said, I was playing super tight, but then... Just on that hand, I was like, well, it folds. I know it's going to be heads up. I'll call one time being that deep. I mean, that's not an excuse to play. I just call because I want to play with the drunk guy who kept going all in. I mean, but, I, I do I do think you should expand your range to play with others. I don't think queen four should be in the range. Queen four <laughs> off should be in the range. Uh, but I do think, like, if you have, like, a suited two gappers, stuff like that, maybe a... Even if queen four suited a little bit, because then you have like overflush opportunities and stuff like that. Uh, now, 25 at this hand, I mean, I think this is just getting lucky at this point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> we want it to be about that, right? <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's about, you know, telling the story. I mean, not saying I played it well or anything. I'm just saying that's what led to this hand happening. Yeah. Right? It's not. I mean, 100% got lucky. Yeah. I mean, I flopped a queen, he flopped an ace. <laughs> well, yeah, but you never get it all in unless you hit that four, no, right? No, 100%, 100%. But I'm just, like, this is definitely getting lucky. I would not, I mean, but this is what happened in that session. It was the biggest hand of the session. Well, that's, you know what? Glad it went your, glad it went that way. I mean, I will say, after you choose to make that call, I don't mind how you played it. I think on the flop, you definitely call there. I mean, a lot of times he's not going to have anything. Uh... And on the turn, I thought the donk lead was interesting. Uh, I I don't hate that. I kind of I kind of like the donk lead. Yeah, no, I just like I, I mean, like I said, don't get your poker strategy from us. But <laughs> <laughs> but that like I said, that's what led to that hand happening, kind of thing. Yeah, it's a uh, and well, ended but, up with like seven hundred fifty dollar profit that night after all that down betting. I mean, you want to talk about something that just kind of stacks up. Just taking down those pawns over and over again. Oh, well, really is big. Like, and this was a crush live poker thing I didn't understand at the time. But you know how uh, Bart's only saying, like, well, some of these barreling, like, turns, especially, like, over cards and stuff like that, is I was doing it, and I was hemorrhaging money. I was like, this is the worst strategy ever. I mean, that Nobody was, folds. That was the funniest time of the podcast. I mean, it just... <laughs> It literally, I tried it over and over again. It never worked. Like, once I started down betting and doing that, all of a sudden, you start getting all the full. Because, I mean, people are calling so light. When you're betting half to two-thirds pot, when they call, a lot of times they're on top pair, and they're just not immediately going to put you on an overcard. But when you bet one-third pot, a lot of times they could have just about anything and now the couple things that they thought they might be ahead of just got, you know, that overcard just killed it. So that was a, uh, it's been a great strategy with the smaller bets. When I was doing like half pot to two thirds pot, it was killing me. Um, the other thing I thought that was pretty interesting was, oh, not interesting. I didn't find, well, this was interesting, but this is something I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Um, I was watching a hand play out. I mean, kind of half-heartedly watching, but um, more of the story is, is a three-way pot. Um, the board runs out to where like a straight could have hit, but the front door flush missed. 
and it goes check, check, and this guy at the very end checks it back and turns over middle set. And then he's like, oh, I, I, would, I couldn't bet there because I would hate to get raised. And I was like, I remember you used to talk about that. Remember back when we first started playing and you watched Jamin about getting that value on the river? That hand made me think of what, you're, um, what you used to say and do. I want to kind of get your feedback on that because, I mean, I was just like almost fell out of my chair whenever that happened. But I don't know if I was that bad or not, but I do remember this. Like, I remember way back when I first started playing poker, like there was one point where I raised the river and the guy had the nuts, and I was like, oh, well, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) And, I mean, I I just didn't, you know, I at that time, I was reading a lot of the poker books, which did a, uh, they handled a lot of flop and pre-flop stuff, but didn't really tackle the river all that much. And you're completely right. Like, I did not get almost any river value. Uh, Jamin's vlogs is where I actually kind of started picking up. Like, I am not betting the river nearly, nearly enough. And then later, Crush Life Poker. I mean, that's one of Bart's, you know, I don't think I'm you know, killing his thing because it's well known that he's big on thin value on the river. Oh, hundred percent. But I just, I saw that and I thought of like what you used to say. Cause you used to always say it'd be a horrible spot to get raised. I don't want to bet. Oh, I was so, I mean, so scared of it. Like I say, like, it happened one time and I just, <laughs> I, I was shell shocked. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, that was basically my session played super tight, played loose one hand and got lucky. Um, figured out that you solved low limit poker, which I found interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not say I solved. I'm reading other people's material <laughs> and just doing that. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> maybe I'll thumb through some of that material then. Yeah. But <laughs> um, and I guess did you say you had a session? Uh, so, okay. So last week played almost no poker. Not almost played no poker. Uh, well, but you were out of town. I mean, <laughs> I was out of town. Yeah. So anybody who knows me, uh. My dad has uh, some property, and the family's over there building cabins, so I went up there to kind of help. Uh, so it turns out poker players, not cabin builders. I mean, my carpentry skills, non-existent. It was a lot of fun being around five people who seem like they're all professional carpenters. I don't know how every dude is like a professional carpenter, plumber, and mechanic once they get to like 25. I mean, I feel like it's a class in high school or college I just completely missed out on. Uh, but I moved boards. I nail. I used a nail gun to nail things and saw things where they told me to. <laughs> so I'm now a professional carpenter. Uh, go around Saturday, I leave. And then Sunday, I'm coming back. I'm pretty frustrated on an on a entire week of just working on a job where everybody knows way more than I do. And I'm like, well, let me get back to a poker table where at least I'm I'm halfway knowledgeable. <laughs> Most days I'm halfway knowledgeable. So first half of the podcast, you solve low limit poker. Second half of the podcast, we have to reiterate that you're somewhat knowledgeable. <laughs> somewhat knowledgeable, yeah. Uh, so I look at tournaments. Prime had that series, and it was their closing day event. It was a $25,000 guarantee one-day event. So I did that on Sunday. How much was the buy-in? It was, I think, four hundred. Yeah, it was four hundred. Ooh, it was a pretty big one. It was a how, pretty big one. How many people showed up? God, it was weird. Like, you know, it started out with just one table. God, were you like, deal? 
Let's make a deal, guys. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, ended up getting more and more tables, but at 12 o'clock, it was just one table. Uh, end up going and doing that, and it was pretty... I like Prime a lot. I was super frustrated. Tell me if I'm out of line here. You're probably out of line. Probably I probably am. So, I'm just about to get into the tournament. It's just now starting. It's one table. I was, like, shooting pool under a pool table. And I would go ahead and go to buy-in. It's the middle of March Madness. People who play poker, for the most part, bet sports. A lot of them, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, some guy was just telling me about how much he loves sports betting yesterday, so... The uh, it March Madness is probably the sports better's dream because there's just so many games and all that. Well, they don't have there's a game going on, and they don't have one TV tuned to it. It's all friends reruns. So I go up to the uh little thing. I'm like, hey, could y'all? It's all those friends reruns. Could we move it to March Madness? The guy looks at me, gets all pissed off, and he's like. Well, it's this the poker tournament's not showing up on Poker Atlas the way it should. That's my priority. And I was like, agreed, that should be a priority. But I, mean, I feel like you have other people there to change the TV channel. Or you I, could do it at the end of the remote. I mean, if it takes more than twenty seconds, then maybe you probably shouldn't be running a tournament. I was like I was like, I mean, I just thought that was the weirdest response. I mean, and there were tons of people there because they had the like a two o'clock restart for a tournament. So there's literally just people upon people there that are doing nothing. You mean employees? Yeah. I, it sounded like you're saying like players were there. No, employees. Uh I just found that to be a very weird response. I was uh, I thought that was and I just, I mean, I didn't start anything. I just walked off or whatever. So uncharacteristic. I know. I'm, I'm trying to get better about it, man. Did, now, later, I will, I'm going to give him credit here, is it went like 45 minutes and nothing happened. He did eventually turn the, the TVs over to March Madness. But I just thought that was, one, I thought was weird. When you're competing as a poker room, that attention to detail, I think it should have been before you, anything ever happened, just turn all that stuff to what players would want to watch. I mean, 100% without, I mean, friends with no sound does not sound that great. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and like I say, if somebody asks for something like that, where probably other people want to see it too, like I understand you have other bigger priorities, 100%, but it should be like, it's a 20-second thing. All right, so here's what I think happened. Okay. I'm sure what happened was, I'm sure you're, I agree you're in the right, Basically, hundred percent. Okay, right. I agree. I agree with this. Um, what I'm sure happened was you walked up on someone who was very flustered, right? And I'm sure it's his job to get Poker Atlas going and stuff. Oh, he did seem flustered. I do agree with you there. Yeah, so I'm sure you kind of got a short response from someone who um, was flustered and felt overwhelmed. That's what I'm sure that kind of situation was. Okay, that's a—I mean, probably so. And like I say, everything else eventually did get changed. And I, I give I give that person credit for—because they didn't—like, it is hard to remember all the stuff. So they the fact that they did remember it—or somebody else probably asked them, actually. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, but I'm just going to assume that I asked them and they remembered 40 minutes later. But—and I understand— I say things happen. I mean, because I do know I've been in situations where, you know, been felt flustered, overwhelmed, and maybe handled an interaction less than perfect. 
That's fair. We probably all have at some point. And I give Prime credit because they have such a good reputation. I think they're probably one of the best-run poker rooms in Houston. So, it's a... Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And, again, this tournament also run very smoothly. I, I think that if you want a big-level tournament outside of Texas Cardhouse and Prime, I think Spades does a lot of them, too, but I've never been to one of theirs. I think Texas Cardhouse Prime, and I think 101 Katie does a good job. I was about job. to say that one, too. Yeah. What about... I mean, Paramount has that big one once a month, right? Or is it just not nearly as big? I haven't no, their little their Saturday one gets pretty big. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that's one that runs very well too. I thought you've been to that one a few times. Uh, well, I got second in one of that's them. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mean, it sounds like you were saying you haven't been. Yeah, it's just been so long. That was several years ago, but it ran very well. How did you? I mean, you haven't told us how you did this time though. At the oh. prime tournament. So I was thinking, what you're going to drop on me is that you took down first. <laughs> No. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah. Let's, let's not worry about that being dropped on you. I feel like, I feel like you would have heard about that by now. Uh, so, let me see. I start out doing fairly decent. I don't even remember this hand, so let's go with the... Uh, I was in the big blind with Ace-10 of hearts. Cut off raises to 500. Button and small blind call. What do you think I should do here? Okay, so you're in the big blind, and the how much did he raise it to? Uh, cutoff raises to 500. What are the blinds, though? I'm gonna. This is pretty early. Uh, it must have been one 200 for them to raise 500, because I don't remember a, a raise I, with that. If it's that amount, I'm definitely calling taking my equity with my suited ace and Broadway draw, um, for just under three big blinds. Right, that's what I'm doing here. I'm just calling. Okay. Uh, I thought it was a pretty, really good squeeze spot, especially from a cutoff race. I mean, I do not arguing that point either. I'm saying that's what I would do. I do agree that um, that does seem like a great squeeze spot. Uh, I make it 2,500. I mean, I can squeeze. I'll be playing. If I could take this down, it's great. If I'll be out of position. Uh, and it's if I get called, it's a good hand. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but I always talk about it. I do like your squeezing size, though, because I hate when people try to squeeze, but they make it a thousand. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So that's always something that I find interesting. So I like that you sized up for your squeezing. Uh, the cutoff calls the other two fold. The flop is ace, king, six. No hearts, I'm assuming. No hearts. Uh, I bet 2,000 and take it down. I mean, just, I mean, we're just on that same exact. Uh, thought process on that down betting, huh? Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. So it goes on. I'm a. I kind of get whittled down, just not getting a lot of good. Uh, it's one of those that nothing big is happening. Um, not getting a lot of hands. The blinds are you know creeping up as things go along, and the hands I am getting, I'm just missing. Uh, I end up kind of getting a little frustrated here. With just not being able to make up any ground, which usually I'm very patient in tournaments. It's not characteristic of me. But I raised 9-7 of hearts. It's funny. It's non-characteristic of you to do that. And it's also non-characteristic of you to walk away when that guy gives you that short answer. I'm, I'm, I'm a <laughs> yeah, different guy, yeah, I was about man. To say, a whole different tournament player showed up that night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
nine seven of hearts and now this is one of those i there was a super loose aggressive player and i was like well i can uh maybe exploit this if i get hit it's kind of like your queen forehand but i like nine seven suited a little bit better it's a uh and i i raised nine seven of hearts from fairly early position i'm not deep enough to do this i'm not in good enough position to do this and not deep enough i already know i'm both uh but i get i think i like four or five calls, and the flop is nine high. I mean, I'm probably potting this almost. It checks to me. This is one of those things I will kind of ex- exploitatively bet bigger. So I bet five thousand. Uh, it, it. I don't remember how much I bet pre-flop, but I know it was just over half pot. I probably would have bet a little bit more here, but. So I was like, well, because. It's four or five ways. If I if I down bet this, me and you are on the same page as far as betting higher. Because if I if I down bet this, this becomes super tricky to play on the turn. Oh yeah, I mean you don't know what you're fading or hoping for, really. Yeah. So, uh, but I get one. Uh, it goes around the super loose aggressive player who's shown multiple bluffs. He raises to thirteen thousand. Now. Let me see. It was nine. Five, the flop was nine five deuce with two clubs. Uh, Thirteen thousand. I think I had would have had like twenty thousand behind, maybe. Huh. I mean, <laughs> this is a spot right here, huh? This was a. This is a tough spot. Yeah. Uh. You want to think about what you would do here, or are you just... <laughs> in these spots, I'm literally in my head thinking what I would do. I'm like, thank God I'm not in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> like, that spot seems horrible. Okay, so I'm thinking, loose aggressive player. Normally when we do something like this, we have to call against a player who's... That's normally my thought process, right? Okay. I'm also worried that we're so shallow that is just going all in, ever valid... I don't know. He made it 13. You have 20 behind. Are you ever folding? Is that what you said? He made it 13. You have 20 behind. He made it 13. I think after I called his, I would have had like around 20 behind. That sounds about right. Is it ever not all going all in? If you call, seems unlikely that you don't end up all in here. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm also thinking that, you, you know, if you have chips behind, you're not out of the tournament. So maybe checking or calling is the best move is what I'm thinking. Um, I think I'm just calling, I guess, after debating everything. See, I went the other way. I mean, I don't mind. I, I, I kind of tanked for a while and then and then thought this is either a all-in or fold. I mean, that was my kind of thought, too. But then I was also thinking that, well, he's going to put you all-in on the turn, right? So That was kind of my thought. It's like once I once I call here, but he's never the folding. SPR is going to be just ridiculously low, and I don't know what I'm up against. Like... I mean, like every card in the deck seems kind of tough. I end up jamming. I mean, I don't mind. Like I said, I don't mind. I mean, I don't think it's enough to get them to fold, but I mean. It's a. I think it kind of doesn't matter, right? I think you end up all in on the turn either way. Well, if if we're ruling out a fold, it really doesn't matter, right? I mean. Yeah. It's a. I mean, if you were, if that's not ruled out, it definitely matters. I mean, those are two very different <laughs> scenarios. Uh, but it, yeah, the call and the all in. Uh, 
So what I my reasoning here? So it, the flop. I have nine seven of hearts for the listeners. The flop is nine five deuce with two clubs against a. I bet about half pot. A super lag re raises to thirteen thousand about a min raise, leaving me not about a maybe a half pot behind if if I uh, I call. So my thought is a lot of times here he's going to have two overs and a flush draw. That's kind of my thought. That is that was my thought. I was like, well, I don't know if this super lag flopped a set. It's just his day to win. There's no two pairs for the most part. He was super lag, but he also wasn't stupid, stupid. Right, reasonable. Yeah, it's uh. So I'm like, well, I think more often than not, you like a flush draw with an over, or something like that, is uh, there. And then I was like, well, he could just be tacking me because I was the preflop raiser. This is not a board that favors me. Right, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I, I mean, hundred percent, that's true too. Uh, I put them all in. He kind of grudgingly very grudgingly calls and he shows king nine well that's depressing that was depressing <laughs> so yeah it was a uh, and then obviously no help uh so i don't think i, I kind of went over this in my head for a long time i think a player like this with a flop like this it just is what it is I think if I'm going to look for a mistake that I made, it was probably just raising 9-7 suited when I wasn't deep enough to really be playing that in an early position. I think that was the mistake. I, on the flop, I'm not sure I can really get away from it against this particular player. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I mean, not much feedback for you on this one. I mean, I think we both would have played it the same way if it's going to be played. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly, if it's going to be played. So... Not a not a great result for me as far as the tournament goes, but I don't know. I've had a pretty good run in tournaments. I can't complain. So <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked that you didn't hit your seven. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh so I don't know, good time. Uh Prime ran a good tournament for what I was in it. Uh and I'm gonna say, hopefully to win the next one. Absolutely. So <laughs> It was funny. Um, someone made the comment, because, like, you know, whenever we go to these poker rooms that um, have food and free drinks and stuff, I was just drinking uh, Coke Zero or whatever, and some guy goes, oh, man, you've had a bunch of Coke Zeros, huh? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to beat the rake and Coke Zeros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that is good. But I guess on that note, I don't have – I mean, we're hoping to play – Probably sometime this week, too, because we're kind of recording early this week. Ooh, yeah, we are. This is... Yeah, okay, so but that, that'd that be next podcast when we uh on there. So I'll probably... We're not playing tonight, I don't think. Uh, We'll probably play tomorrow, right? Uh, Seems likely. So we'll get a... A good cash game session in. Like I say, I was out of I was out of it all last week, so I didn't get a ton of sessions in. But it is going to be a main a big focus. So hopefully, uh, get some time in tomorrow, and we'll get the have some good content next week. All right. On that note, this concludes the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up, add time, and we'll see you next week.